Reformed and Evangelical, Confessional and Missional, welcome to Creeds and Deeds. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 116, verses 1 through 9. I love the Lord, because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have been delivered, my soul, from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. This is the word of our Lord. Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 82. Is any man perfectly able to keep the commandments of God? Answer. No mere man since the fall is able in this life to perfectly keep the commandments of God, but does break them daily in thought, word, and deed. Scripture proof. Romans 3 verses 9 through 12. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. All right, thank you for joining me. Today we are looking at chapter 10 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is called Effectual Calling. All right, let's get into it. At the right time, appointed by him, God effectually calls all those and only those whom he has predestined to life. He calls them by his word and spirit out of their natural state of sin and death into grace and salvation through Jesus Christ. He enlightens their minds spiritually with a saving understanding of the things of Christ. He takes away their heart of stone and gives them a heart of flesh. He renews their wills and by his almighty power leads them to what is good. And so he effectually draws them to Jesus Christ. But they come to Jesus voluntarily, having been made willing by God's grace. All right, so when we're talking about um, total depravity, about how, you know, people cannot come to God apart from God's grace, this is the other side of it, is that before the fall, we were free. Uh, Man was free, Adam and Eve, and they could choose God or whatever. Then when the fall fall happened, we were so uh, 
changed by it, darkened, that we became slaves to sin and we can no longer choose good or evil. So this is saying then what happens is, is that all of those who God has predestined to life, at some point in their life, they will be uh, um, effectually called by God. God will come in the Holy Spirit and he will work in their lives. He'll regenerate them and he will give them the knowledge so that they can choose God. And in that moment, he's freeing them from their uh, bondage to sin. And he's actually regenerating their hearts and their minds. So now they can choose either good, uh, you know, either they can choose to either follow God or not follow God. But the thing about that is, is that because you've been regenerated by God already, your mind is so enlightened and everything that you won't do anything besides choose God. Because now that your mind has been regenerated, enlightened by the Holy Spirit, you see the goodness of God. And that's why we know that even though you come voluntarily, that you will come if you're one of the elect. All right, number two, this effectual call is freely made by God and is entirely an act of his special grace. It does not depend on anything God foreknew or foresaw about the person called, who is completely passive. God himself gives life and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He thereby enables each person to answer his call and to accept the grace he offers and actually gives. So this is uh, saying the uh, same, it's the same concept, but it's just more in depth about it that, you know, he calls us, he, uh, he does it freely by his grace. And then that enables us to answer that call. And the thing that's important about this one is, um, God does this work entirely of him and we are passive in the matter and he doesn't do it. He doesn't choose the elect or who he's, he doesn't choose who he's going to like regenerate and everything, um, based on anything that we've done. He doesn't look down the hall of time and see, uh, what we will do. No, he does it entirely of his grace. This is called monergism. Um, it is, uh, entirely of God. Monergism means that it's God working salvation on his own. The other view is called synergism, that God somehow works it uh, with us, or that we work together with God to be saved, but that's not uh, true. We know that that's not how it works. All right, and then number three says, sorry, hold on, let me get back there. that there we go sorry all right number three which says elect infants dying in infancy are regenerated and saved by christ through the spirit who works when where and how he pleases the same is true of all other elect persons who are incapable of being outwardly called by the ministry of the word all right, so this is saying that if people or infants who are part of the elect die in infancy or, you know, people who are mentally or physically incapable of hearing the preaching of the gospel or understanding the preaching of the gospel, um, 
they are regenerated. And we know that because we know that none of those who the Father has given the Son will be lost. Um, and we don't know who the elect are, but we can um, see throughout the scripture that God does work through families. And so it's a good ability to be able to um, uh, take heart in the fact that because God's working through families, if the child of a believer dies, you can have a uh, strong confidence, I guess, that your child is most likely uh, saved. All right. Four. Others, not elect, may be called by the ministry of the word, and the spirit may work in them in some of the same ways that he works in the elect. However, they never truly come to Christ and therefore cannot be saved. And of course, people not professing the Christian religion cannot be saved in any other way at all. No matter how hard they try to live a moral life according to their own understanding or try to follow the rules of some other religion, to say they can be saved is extremely harmful and should be denounced. All right, and so the first one, the first part of that just says that um, there will be people who will appear to be Christians. They will have some measure of God working in their lives. Uh, Maybe they go to church. Maybe they even understand the Bible really well. But they never truly believe because they aren't one of they just they're not one of the elect if they never believe, um, and therefore they will not be saved in the end because there's no there's no true belief in their heart. It's all just outward works. Um, and you see this people who will be in the church for years and years and then fall away. Uh, and never return and become militant atheists and hate Christians. Uh, they, like it says, I think it's in First John, it says they departed from us because they were never among us. You know, they, or they went out from us because they were never one of us. So there's people who sometimes are in the church, seem to be part of the church, but they were never truly part of the body of Christ. And then the other one is... Uh, what it says, you know, it, this is extremely harmful and should be denounced, is when people say that all religions lead to God, or there's many paths to God, or, you know, you can take many paths, but you end up at the top of the same mountain, or whatever, or that you can, oh, Islamic, and whatever, people that don't believe in Jesus, and people that believe in a false image of Jesus can go to heaven. No. That's harmful because you are allowing people to stay in their demonic, evil religions that promote a false sense of morality, and you're telling them, it's okay, you can go to heaven. Like, no. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He is the only way to God. And if you don't proclaim that, you are pretty much giving those people an eternal death sentence of hell because you're refusing to tell them the truth because you don't want to hurt their feelings. All right, thank you for joining me today, and uh, I will see you tomorrow for Faithful Friday. Oh, and also, um, yesterday I didn't have a podcast. Uh, sorry about that. I actually did uh, get a chance to talk to somebody, but she didn't want uh, to be recorded. However, uh, she was a Christian, but she was telling me about her son, and her son is 30 years old, 
his name is um, Robert, I think it was, and uh, and he they were he was raised in the church, but he you know walked away from it and uh, hasn't um, and now he has like a lot of health problems and stuff because just uh, um, it's something to do with his liver and everything. He needs a liver transplant. He's 30 years old, though. He has three kids. Um, So be praying for his health and stuff and for his mom. But more importantly, pray for his uh, spirit. Pray that Richard's um, would, that Richard would come back to God and would lead his family to God. And uh, he, uh, his mom has given him a copy of the Bible and has been asking him to read the book of John and trying to help uh, work through it with him, trying to get him to start reading it. So just pray that that would be uh, fruitful. And uh, his mom's name is Chris. All right. Uh, thank you. And we will see you tomorrow for Faithful Friday. All right. And now let's go to the Lord in prayer. So clear your minds and your hearts and focus in on God's word because his word is truth. Let his word fill your heart so that you can be focused on him and meditate upon him for this time of prayer. Verse of preparation from John 17 verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. All right, and now... Let's come to the Lord with adoration and let's worship Him and remember that no matter what we're doing throughout our day, we can always worship God. No matter what we're doing, we should be doing it to His glory. And right now, just take time to worship Him for His glory. With this verse from 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, let's get ready and come to God with a contrite heart to confess our sins. And remember that you have no basis for the forgiveness of your sins besides the blood of Christ. So as we confess our sins, focus on the fact that you are forgiven as you confess those sins because Jesus died on the cross for you 
and was raised again from the dead. Here, this quote of confession from Respectable Sins Confronting the Sins We Tolerate by Jerry Bridges. Whatever scripture we use to assure us of God's forgiveness, we must realize that whether the passage explicitly states it or not, the only basis for God's forgiveness is the blood of Christ shed on the cross for us. As the writer of Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And the context makes it clear that it is Christ's blood that provides the objective basis on which God forgives our sins. And now, having, for, having confessed our sins and knowing that they are forgiven, let's come to the Lord with gratitude because He is the God who created everything. He's the God which sustains everything. He gives everything its food. He gives us the breath that we speak. He gives us strength. But he's not somebody, he doesn't take delight in those. Those aren't what he delights in. He delights in us when we fear him. So now, hear this verse of thanksgiving from Psalm 147, verses 7 through 11. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises to our God on the lyre, who covers the heaven with clouds, who provides rain for the earth, who makes the grass to grow on the mountains. He gives the beast its food, and to the young ravens which cry. He does not delight in the strength of a horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. And now that we've spent time worshiping our Lord, we've confessed our sins, and we've spent time thanking Him, let's bring Him all of the things that we're going to ask for Him, all of our requests. And as you bring them to Him, know that whatever you ask Him, it'll be granted to you with his, in His will. And that as you forgive others, 
God will forgive you. He'll continue to work in your heart, but he wants you to forgive others. And he wants your prayers to not be hindered by unforgiveness or um, held in rage or, or anything like that. He doesn't want you to come to him with all of that stuff hindering your prayers. So now hear this verse of supplication from Mark 11 verses 24 through 26. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. All right, now let's come to God with some petitions and intercessions. Begin by praying for yourself. Here's a verse asking that you have a contrite and humble spirit. Isaiah 57 verse 15. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Now, let's pray for our leaders, for our national, state, local level elected leaders, and those who are appointed as leaders. Let's pray that they will Uh, be able to execute their authority and that we will be subject to that authority whether or not we agree with them we should be subject to that authority because we know that God has established all all authorities whether we see it as good or bad or we disagree with it whether we voted for them or not God has put them there and we need to be subject to them Hear this verse from Romans 13, 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And now, I ask you to pray for your work centers for the places that you work. Pray that you can be a light to them and that you, as a Christian in your work center, would bring about revival and that you would be able to speak the gospel to those around you and that those above you would see your manner of life and glorify God. And pray for your neighbors. Think of a neighbor that you know 
and pray for them that they would repent of their Lord of their sins and trust in Christ as their Savior and their Lord. Like it says in Romans 1 verses 18 through 21, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. And pray for your church. I guess that there's probably people in your church that are hurting and that need help. And pray that we would, as the church, love one another. Not only in word, but also in deed. Like it says in 1 Corinthians, love, if you read all of that, in 1 Corinthians 13 about love, you see that love is a verb. Love is something you do. So when we say that we would love one another, pray that we would take care of one another and be there for one another and defend one another and help out each other. Like it says in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And pray for your spouse or your significant other, that you and them would pray together every day. Like it says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companions. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Further, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Also, pray for your spouse that you would lift them up in prayer for their needs, for you know your spouse probably better than anybody on this earth. You know where they need prayer for. Pray for them now. And now, let's recite the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
you know, we hear these terms like effectual calling, but a lot of times they're not defined very well. And so today I want to learn a little bit about what that word means and what all is involved in effectual calling. So join me today for Creeds and Deeds as I look at chapter 10 of the Westminster Confession of Faith on effectual calling.